Father, the hardest thing for us to do is to be still. Even as adults, we squirm around like toddlers, the patience of a, of a gnat, and moving from one thing to the next, asking you somehow to be a part of that in our hurried pace of life. We struggle with what to say yes to and to what to say no to. We allow things to creep into our lives that we didn't even ask you about. We just allowed them to arrive. And I ask God for the next few moments that we would begin to just do some soul searching about the busyness of our lives, the, that there's, there's less empty spaces in our life. And anytime we get an empty spot, we seem to fill it. And I ask God that you would move in our souls, that you would convict us, you would remind us, you would give us understanding, you would clear our minds of what was last week or what lies ahead next week so that we can hear from you this morning. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. We are so glad you're here. We have just kind of started into this series about this idea of being empty. Uh, how many of you ever bought a, a, a new house, but it was bigger than your last house? How many of you have ever done that? Okay, a chunk of you. And in your new house, do you tend to add, because you look at the spots and you think, well, gosh, there's an empty spot. So what do you do? Fill it. Don't you? You have to fill it. There's an empty spot. And it's funny because that mindset seeps into our spiritual life as well. That every empty spot that we've got, we somehow think in our minds, I've got to put something there. There's an empty spot. I've got to. It's just, it just it makes no sense for there to be less. And if you were with us last week, we had this giant glass tube. And I, we're... It'll get, let me just do this right now because it's going to move over here so, so you can see it a little better. It is glass, by the way, so I'm trying not to break it. Now, if I brought this to your home today, you would look at that until it drove you crazy until you said, I got to put something in it. Am I right? You would not want Danny to drop off a glass tube and you go, great, I can't even put flowers in that thing unless they're fake. And so you would want to fill it. Naturally, we want to fill it. And some of the stuff we do is not bad. I mean, filling our lives with the right things is certainly valuable. And so one of the things I, I, we talked about last week is that if, if this ball represents Christ, the idea is, is not he's not on the outside looking in. He's the one that, let me see if I can get this thing down in there because it just fits. There we go. All right. Is that he ought to be the foundation of our lives Instead, he, he, we've got him out here looking on the inside in. And so what we're going to be looking at today is this idea is that, that just like the video is being still and listening and slowing down just enough to hear from God is a real challenge in our world. I don't care if you're retired or not. It's, it's hard. Uh, the, the noise that comes into our lives, whether it's social media, whether it's family, whether it's activities, what's on TV, what's on your computer, your hobbies, uh, you take your pick, church life, all that gets, gets going, and boy, it's hard. And I was thinking about this, a few years ago I talked about this idea that Jesus was, uh, he had this amazing ability to be busy but not hurried. And so I want to kind of talk about that. Busy is a condition of the body having many things to do. How many of you got many things to do right after church. Okay, a chunk of you, you got many things to do. 
How, okay, since we're all family here, how many of you are thinking about those things right now, even as I speak? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're in it together. But we, we have this tendency to think we can't shut. How many of you this week, you've woken up and your brain clicked on because you were thinking about all the stuff you had to do and you couldn't go back to sleep? A lot of you. A lot of you. Busy is a condition of the body having many things to do. That's not bad. You got a lot of stuff to do. Now let me add a layer to it. Hurry is a condition of the soul in which I am so preoccupied that I cannot be fully present with God and with anybody else. Have you ever been so hurried? Because as a parent now, when I'm hurried, I'm, I'm less dad when I'm hurried. And more, and more the hurrier. Like, I don't know why I'm so hurried, but we're, hur you know. And hurried is, my daughter is teaching me that there is no hurry in her. How many of you got that child? It's like, you could say, the house is on fire, sweetie, we need to go. Yeah, but let me get a few things. Okay, my daughter cannot leave the house without taking something. There, there's a reason for that, but that's another story. But she's got to take something out of the house. I don't care what it is. It can be chapstick, a rock. Uh, you take your pick. But she's always got to take something when we leave. I'm like, sweetie, we need to go now. Hang on, Dad, I need to get something. And it's funny because I, I sometimes as the adult, my child is reminding me that, why are you so hurried? I'm like, oh, that's a good question. I'm so preoccupied because here's what I've learned about being hurried is it gives the illusion that you're being productive. It gives the idea that I'm doing something with purpose, that I'm, I've got it all together, that busy looks, makes me look like something's good, something's right. Did you catch what I said? Hurry is a condition of the soul in which I am so preoccupied that I cannot be fully present with God or myself. And so when you wake up and your brain clicks on and all the stuff that you're thinking, oh, I need to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, that's because you're so preoccupied about those things you can't. You're just like, why am I wide awake at 3 a.m. thinking about what I'm fixing for dinner tonight? Or that I need to go to the grocery store and make sure that that list is done. Or that I need to mow my grass. Or that I need to make sure that the trash goes out because the trash man's coming tomorrow. And that has woken me up. That is, that is what has consumed my morning at 3 a.m. And something that Jesus reminded me about is this. Jesus was, Jesus was busy. Let's be honest. He was busy, but he was never hurried. Never. Never once was he hurried. Never, Because if you look through the Gospels, you'll see many times where somebody, Jesus, can you hurry? My son is dying. Lazarus is dying. Jesus is like, oh, yeah, I'll be there in a few days. What? Jesus, don't you understand? My brother's dying. Yeah, I've got some other things. I'll be there. Jesus, uh, my child, need to cast out an evil spirit. I'll get there. He never was in a, he would never, he had this ability to, have you ever been around somebody when they're in a hurried state and you got to just take on the hurried state even though you're not hurried and all of a sudden you're hurried? It's a terrible feeling that you take on their hurriedness even though you weren't in a hurry a second ago. But because they're frantic, now you're frantic. Jesus was never hurried. Dallas Willard, uh, just an amazing uh, professor, teacher, pastor, passed away a couple of years ago, but 
uh, he said this uh, a number of years ago. He said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, for hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day-to-day. Because, you know, I said it to you yesterday, last week, Michael Iaconelli said that it's not sin, but speed that really hijacks us spiritually. Certainly sin has its point, but it's the speed of our lives, and then God just becomes kind of a tag-along, kind of a tag-along. So I'm going to ask Justin to come up here. Uh, Justin's my, uh, my, my helper. He's not dressed like Vanna, but that would be kind of cool, so... Justin's going to put all the, the balls back in because I, I, I want to, uh, my wife and I, my, my wife always gives me good wisdom when we talk about stuff, and we were talking about this last week, and these balls all represent things in your life, okay? They represent all kinds of things, and Justin, I'm going to have you fill it to about right here for me, buddy, okay? And we, we like we like, to, we like to have our lives full of stuff, and if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go there because you're going to go to Matt, Luke chapter 10. You're, it, if you've grown up in church, this is a familiar story. If you've not grown up in church, this is a story about two sisters who invite Jesus over for dinner. They invite him to their house, actually, but then they just assume that that's what comes with the meal. But we'll be in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38 here in just a moment, but we're not quite there yet. sit there. The thing about this, this is what I know about our spiritual lives, is if, if I can look out at everybody else and I look at this glass tube, and this, let's say this glass tube represents your life today, this morning, and you look at that and you think, man, I've got a lot of stuff going on. My plate's, I've got, my, my life is pretty full. Does this give you some room to, to breathe a little bit with God, yes or no? It does. It does. It's not completely full, is it? Now, if I can look over at Justin's life for just a moment, and I see Justin's life, I see Justin's life, and I think, okay, Justin is, he's young enough to be my son, my grandson almost. I'm feeling old just even saying that. And you're not supposed to laugh when I say that. And so I look at Justin's life, and I think, man, how's he doing that? How in the world has he got that going on? And here's what I know, guys. The most dangerous thing about the reason why our lives don't have any margin is because we spend far too much time comparing it to everybody else and never asking God how much should be in my life. So I look at Justin's tube of life and I go, wow, I ought to be doing a lot more. I ought to be way busier. My tube was down here and I look at Justin's life and it's full. And Beth and I were talking about this last week. And something that uh, a pastor said a number of years ago, he, he talked about the idea that your capacity is different than everybody else's, but you think yours is the same. Now, let's be honest. My capacity to do stuff is different now at 55, 56 <laughs> than it was when I was 26. How many can get an amen? Okay, it just is. It, it does not, doesn't make me bad. It doesn't make... But here's the thing. I think in my head, 
How, okay, let me back up. How many of you thought, oh, I can go do that. I used to do that sport. And then you go do it and you pay the price. Pay the price. You think, it's just, it's just basketball. Your body's like, yeah, but you've not touched that in about 10 years. Or if you go try to start walking or anything else, what you could do as a teenager or in your 20s, your body would, boom, bounce back. But all of a sudden, we, we want our tube full, and God's like, did I ask it to be full? See, here's the thing. God didn't ask you to fill all this up. You have space in your life because your capacity is different than mine. And if, if God comes over to, to me and says, why are you so full? Because, let's be honest, if my life is this full, is there less room for God? There is. Now, for Justin, maybe Justin can do all this. Maybe Justin can do all this because he's like super Jesus, right? <laughs> now, the reason I asked Justin to stay up here is because um, many of you know Justin is uh, going to be going off to college here uh, after the first of the year, and he's, gonna, he's going into, uh, uh, to be a worship pastor. Sucker. <laughs> but he's grown up in our church, and we have had the great privilege of of pouring into him and letting him serve. Many of you have been here on Sundays. And so uh, let me take out a couple more because this is more where my life really needs to be and where I like it to be because all of a sudden it has margin. Okay? So Justin was telling me a story, and I thought, you know, this is, this is a story that you need to hear. So I'm going to move my stuff over here, Justin, and I'm going to come around to you. Uh, Justin, tell me about your Thursday encounter but let's but start back in Wednesday yeah so Wednesday night I was going through a little bit of a period of doubt and and my prayer that night was God well I know you're real but if you're really there show me that you're there and this was one of the, this was one of those things that's like you ask God for something and then he really gives it to you sort of a thing. So Thursday night, I'm sitting back at the sound booth. I'm working on tech stuff for, for Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. And, and this gentleman walks in. Don't know who he is. I've never seen him before in my life. And my first thought was, okay, this is a homeless man coming in, seeing if a church can help him. And, and that turns out that it wasn't the case. Because I walked down from the sound booth, and he walked up to me, dropped to my feet, and began to pray for me. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on right now. Something's... So he gets done, and, and we get to talking, and he said, he said, I, I can't believe I'm asking this right now, but I'm in a really bad way. I don't know where I'm at. I need to get back to North Wichita. He said, I've never been in this town before. I don't know which way is North. And so, we're, so I'm standing there, we're talking. I said, I felt this pull on my heart saying, help him. Just help him. Give him a ride. So that's what I did. I, we got in my car and we drove up. Rock Road, and, and as we're driving up Rock Road, we haven't exchanged names yet, which is not a good idea, but 
um, <laughs> before you meet someone, exchange names with them. <laughs> but um, so we're driving up Rock Road and we're talking, and he goes, he goes, you're helping me, so let me help you. He said, without knowing my name, Justin, God hears you. And I was completely taken aback. I was like, okay, that's a little strange. And, and so then he said, I was going through the, I've, I've been going through this period of, I don't, I'm doubting my call to ministry. So I've been praying for God to take that from me and show me that this is really what I've been meant to do. And he said, I didn't give this man any context of what I was going to do, what I was going into, what I was going to college for. And he said, God knows that you doubt your call to ministry. He said, Justin, don't doubt. And I, I, I'm taken aback again because I'm like, I don't, well, okay. And then he said, which I haven't told anybody, that I'm a little bit wary of going to Missouri for college. You know, it's almost three and a half hours away, and, you know, I'm leaving people I know, and I'm not going to know anybody. And he said to me again, Justin, don't be afraid of what's coming for you in Missouri. He said, that's where you need to be. And so I'm, I'm shaking at this point because I'm like, I don't know that I've never seen this guy in my life. So a couple of things ran through my head. I was like, okay, he's either a stalker, a really good con artist, or this is something from God. And so this continues on for probably 20 minutes as we drive into Wichita. He's just saying all these things about me that... that not a lot of people know, but especially a guy that I've never seen before would know. And he said one last thing to me before, like, as, as I went to drop him off. So last year, my senior year of high school, as I was leading worship for our youth group, I got burnt out. I was, we were halfway through the year, and I was just, I was showing up and, and thinking that it was just, it's just another thing I got to do. It's a, another thing that I have to do for my week, and it's more work. And, and, and I had told him by this time, I had told this man that, that I was going to be a pastor. And, and he, said, he said, don't get burnt out. He said, you haven't even started yet. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's good advice. <laughs> so so I get to... I get to where he wanted to go, and, and I went to shake his hand, and he goes, no, 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 not good enough. He said, come on. So we got out. We embrace. <laughs> and, and I keep saying that it's like a thief in the night. After we got done hugging, I got in my car. He turned to walk away, and I looked back over my shoulder to kind of see, you know, where he would go, and he's gone. So I was shaking all the way home. Just like, I don't know what just happened. I don't know how to, but, but then I realized, I was like, this is God answering your prayer. 
and and so I've kind of just taken it at face value and this was in this was what I think to be an angel saying do what you're supposed to do and don't don't forget God in the in the craziness and in the worry and so so that's my story and that's a great story because <laughs> the thing I liked about the stories you here's have you, how many of you've ever prayed a prayer and then you went oh yeah I did pray that and then here's the other part of that is that praying a prayer and asking God to do something and show up is is also listening and looking for it that he actually did do what he said he would do and he just decided to do it in a more powerful way in Justin's life. Because how many of you have ever had something and somebody came up to you and they prayed for you very specifically about something, but you didn't tell them anything about it? How many of you have ever had that? A chunk of you. you. They walk up and they go, I've been praying for you about this. And you're going, how did you know that? God is at work. But if you're super busy, super worried, super fret, tube is full of too many things, you typically overlook that. So I'm going to pray for Justin because I know that that impacted him and it impacted me because he had the intelligence enough to say, God's up to something. I need to go with this ride. So let me pray for you, Justin. God, I just thank you for Justin and I pray that his, the, the empty in his life would be filled with you and to not fill his life up with just stuff, but with you and the things that come around it will just be helpful and beneficial. And I just thank you, God, that he had the the uh, awareness to see that you were up to something and that the opportunity from him to hear encouraging words from a complete stranger was from, was from you because you heard his prayer and you responded. And I just thank you, God, for that. And God, it just reminds us that you are at work. But in the busy and the hurried, it's, it's difficult to hear sometimes. And I ask God that you would remind us, as you did, Justin, that you are doing and you are at work. It's just that, are we aware? It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. Give him a hand. That was awesome. <clears throat> so in that, you get this, and if, you're, if your plate's not too full, if, you're, if this tube of life is not so much, you've got some space to hear that. And I love this. If you, were, if you were writing down some notes, let me give you a couple things I want to give you real quick. What matters to Jesus for all of us this morning is some pretty easy stuff. You need to know him personally, okay? Because to know him personally will protect you from filling this thing up, okay? That's important. Know him personally. Learn from him daily. If you're not spending time with him, then you're going to fill it up with things that he never asked you to put into your life to begin with. And see, you're going to spend more time comparing yourself saying, well, so-and-so is my age, and look at all that they do. I should do the same thing. Let me just help you out. God didn't ask you to do their life in your life. He asked you to do your life for Him. Okay? Stop trying to look at somebody else's life. Well, they're the same age as me. I ought to be... No, God's asked you to do whatever it is He's asked you to do. He didn't ask you to fill this up and say, look how busy I am. No. Reduce the frenzy pace of your life. You, some stuff you need to say no to. You need to say no to some stuff. When I was growing up at Sharon, uh, we had a great education guy that my dad and the other staff members worked with. Um, but I also knew something really unhealthy about him. You know what it was? He had a cot in his office. 
How many of you think that's unhealthy? If you have a cot in your office and you're on staff, that's unhealthy. Something's going something's gonna to suffer because of it. I remember my dad going, yeah, he's got a cot. And I was like, really? Sure enough, there was a cot in his office. Reduce the frenzy pace of your life. Stop trying to impress God with the busyness. Stop trying to impress him with, how, look how busy I am for you, God. Look at, look, at, look at how busy my life is. God's like, I don't, that's, not, that's, not, that's not jazzing me. I'm not excited about that. Don't let responsibilities and demands rob you of peace. I, I get that you got responsibilities and demands. And something Beth and I, we were talking about this. And I, 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 I hope this makes sense. Because all of you in here, including me, have responsibilities, and some of these don't go away. Am I right? You got to pay bills. You got to take care of things. You got to eat. You got to buy groceries. You got maybe some of you are caregivers. Uh, maybe you're in school. Uh, whatever it is, that ball can't go away. But here's what I do know: <clears throat> for a season, that ball can get reduced. That ball can get reduced. It may not be able to go away. It may be there for, it may have to stay. But if you put that ball in there, does that give you more margin? It does. It gives you a little bit. And if you take some of those and you change them out to this, here's what I know. If you start taking some of those out and you start putting these in, and you take out another one of these, all of a sudden you've got margin. They're still there. They're still important. They still have, you still have stuff to do. You still have things to figure out. Here's the other thing. Also know that sometimes they get bigger. Let's say if your spouse or your child or there's a health thing and they get bigger. But isn't it nice to know that if you've got a little bit of margin, if some things can get reduced... See how important that is? They may stay in your life. They, may, they, they can't go, but maybe they can be reduced in their importance for a season so that you can still have time, so you can still do stuff, so you can still breathe a little bit. And I think that's important for us is to say, okay, yeah, it has to stay. I get it. But I'm not going to let it consume me either. I'm not going to let it hijack me um, because I know that it's going to stay. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, if I don't have to work overtime at work, I'm going to make sure I work really hard in the eight hours or whatever I am at work so that I don't have to come back on my day off so that I can be home with my kids when they go to, when we have dinner and so I can go to bed. I'm going to make sure. So they still, they still stay, but I'm going to make sure that they don't hijack the relationship. So let's look at the story real quick. It's going to be a story you're really familiar with. This starting in verse 38, the great story about Martha and Mary, their sisters. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, again, in Jesus' culture, women were not revered. They were, they were kind of second to men. And so an opportunity to have Jesus come into her house was a big deal. And so she invites Jesus in, and Jesus comes to her house. Now, did, let me ask you something. Did Jesus ask for anything at this point? He asked for nothing. 
Now, I promise you, and I know this because I've been doing this a long time, if I said that I was coming over to your house today at 1 o'clock, you would leave this service early. Some of, some of you are like, maybe not all of you, but some of you. You would leave this, you would go, what? You invited the pastor over? First off, there would be a little fight between you and your spouse. How could you do that? I needed two weeks' notice. And if I came to your house, man, you would, there would be something brewing, fresh coffee, a candle, something. And I, I laugh at that because Martha, she starts in on this, even though Jesus is like, oh, yeah, I'll come to your house for a bit. I'll come to your house for a bit. Let's see what's up. And so she had her sister, she and her sister Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So her, Mar Martha is in the kitchen. And Mary is in the living room listening to Jesus. Because in that culture, women didn't get very much of an opportunity to be that close to the Savior of the world. Even though Jesus was a master, he constantly went to the women. He wanted them to know that they were loved and valued as much as the men. And, he, and if you look through the scriptures, you'll see that, by the way. You'll see that. And so... You got one sister in the kitchen, one sitting at the feet of Jesus. Do you feel some tension coming on? Oh, yeah. All right. But Martha was distracted. And if you look up the, the word distracted, it means that she was trying to serve two masters, herself and God. All right. Martha was distracted with much serving. That means that she was trying to do everything herself. She was trying to make everything happen. So she is looking at her tube, and her tube is filling up fast. Well, I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to cook that, and I need to bake that, and I need to move this, and I need to do that. And her, her tube is a it's filling up. And her, the filling up part is also making her angry. It's not for joy. She's actually getting angry. She's actually getting frustrated. She is saying, look at all I have to do. My life is so busy for you, Jesus. Look at what I'm doing for you. Oh, man, good stuff. Serving two masters. And so there must have been a boiling point because she's had enough. She's like, all right. So she went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care? And let me just tell you, she didn't do this in this loving, affectionate way. Don't you care? She gave him that look. You ever had that look from your parents? Don't you care? It was with a bit of an irritation. That my sister, and she has somehow forgotten her name. Hasn't she? She's forgotten her name. Uh, and, and, and here's the other thing. Her sister is right there. It's like she's not even alive. She says, Jesus, sister's there. She's there. She's mad. She says, he says, oh, she's irritated. My sister has left me to do this alone. My bucket, my, my glass tube is completely full. It's overflowing. <sighs> tell her, I can't remember her name, but if you think of it, can you tell her? <laughs> tell her to help me. Woo! She's mad. She is really mad. But the Lord said, let me help you out. Whenever you get that Martha, Martha, it's a kind of a quiet, soft rebuke. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things because Martha's tube 
is completely full. Completely full. She has allowed all the preparations, all the preparations to overwhelm her, to make her mad, that she can't even enjoy the fact that the Savior of the world is sitting in her house. All she can think about is what needs to get done. How many of you have ever been there? Wow, I'm with you. I'm with you. The preparations steal from the, the, the beauty of having, being at the feet of Christ. The preparations are like, oh, if I have to plan one more thing for church. I mean, Justin talked about that. When, you're, when you do ministry, it's like, man, you, you need to be reminded that this is for the kingdom of God. This is for joy. This is an opportunity. You teach a Sunday school, you, one of our life groups, you work with our children, our students. You have a friend who's kind of working their way through faith. <sighs> really? We miss the joy because it's so busy. It's not all that it's meant to be. So Jesus says, I love what Jesus didn't do with exasperation, by the way. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has what? Say it loud. One, two, three. She has chosen. Could she have gone to the kitchen? Yes. Could she cook? Yes. But she has chosen that she gets this gentleman, the Savior of the world, in her living room for a brief time. She doesn't know if he'll ever be back in here again. She has chosen, look at, what the, look at what Jesus said, she has chosen the good portion, the inheritance, which will not be taken from her. I love what Lamentation says about that. And this is in chapter 3, verses 23. 22 through 24 says this. It says, The steadfast love of our Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, and they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my, my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. If you want to highlight a verse, two verses actually. Mary has said, I'm going to be at the feet of the Savior of the world because that's where the hope is. That's what I need to hear. I need to know, and I want to grow, and I want to learn, and I want to see, and I want to experience all that he has for me. Martha was so preoccupied about all of this that she couldn't enjoy. And some of them were bigger, some of them were smaller, but it was too full. It was too full. And you know what she was doing? She was looking at Mary, and Mary's tube had less. It, was, it had less. Have you, ever, have you ever had a little bit of uh, angst towards somebody who just seemed like, how do you make it life? You just don't seem near as busy and frantic as me. Why are you, you don't seem to be as going at a, at a fast pace. Uh, I work with my pastor. He retired a few years ago. His name was Al. And Al had the rare ability as a pastor and a long-term pastor to say yes to the right things and no. And he wasn't perfect at it. But he had an amazing ability to say, margin is going to make me the best pastor, the best husband, and the best father that God wants me to be. But if my life is full of stuff, God is not going to be wowed by that, and it's going to just steal from me. And he, he constantly reminded me to have margin, that margin is valuable, and that if you don't compare it to anybody else, 
you're going to be ahead of the game. But as soon as you start comparing it to anybody in this room, you're going to fill it with something. And typically, it's not good things. It's not. It's, it, they don't work that well. And I love this. A couple quick things. If you're taking notes, these are free. You certainly can take them if you don't. Fine. It says, fellowship with Jesus is a matter of priorities. Hear me on that. It's a matter of priorities. And it's a matter of choice. Just like with Mary, it was, she chose the right thing. And when you choose Jesus, you'll have a, a greater ability to say, I got enough going on in my life. And this is something else that's really important that you need to remember. Jesus never asked you to do something that steals from your relationship with him. He never asked you to pile on and be super busy for him. To be hurried and frantic and un oh man, he never asked you to do that. And he doesn't ask you to look at somebody else and go, you ought to be as busy as they are. They are super committed to me. You ought to be like them. He never does that. He asks you to live your life for him at your pace. At your pace. Dallas Willard, again, I'll quote something different he wrote. He said this, said, solitude isn't about what I do. It's about what I don't do. It's about saying, I'm not going to do everything. I, I can't. Uh, I think... I think parents, and especially moms, feel guilty when they look at somebody else and they go, how are they able to do that? They got the same amount of kids I do, and they, how are, and then you feel guilty, so then you just add on to make it look like you can handle it all, and you can't, and then you're frustrated, and then everything doesn't go well. And so what God is trying to teach us is that though some of the balls need to stay, reduce their importance in your life. They may not go away, but they need to stay. Some of them are going to stay because that's just life. But the ability to say, no, that's not going to be the dominant source of my life. I'm not going to let it steal because I know this. If these balls get bigger, it, it then it overflows, and then God doesn't have any room to work, and there's no margin. And so if you will get to the point where you say, yeah, it's got to stay, I get it. But you'll look at that and you'll go, okay, God, but I'm not going to let it consume my life, my thinking, my time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight so that I'm not so hurried through my day. And something God just keeps reminding me about is that being hurried doesn't make you more spiritual. Typically, it makes you less. But it gives the illusion that you are because, well, he's always at church. They're always serving. They're always doing this. And their kids are in soccer, and they're, they're, they, they go to a fitness class, and they do the hobby, and they travel. How are they doing? I don't know. But God didn't call me to do that. God didn't call me to do that. And so if you'll stop comparing to other people, you'll find that you'll have more margin. You will. And you will fill it with stuff that God's going, Really? Really? Ken Geyer is a pastor up in Canada, and he wrote a prayer about the Martha and Mary story. And maybe this morning for you is, is maybe you just, the altar is a place you go, God, I've been so hurried through this week or through this past month or through this past year or through the last five years. I've just allowed myself to be so hurried here or physically that I can't shut it down. And I struggle to sleep. My marriage is, 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 gets, gets 
leftovers, my spiritual life gets leftovers, my parenting life gets leftovers, my church gets the leftovers, and most importantly, you get the leftovers because I am so consumed with all of this. And God maybe wants for you today to say, you need to give that to me. Maybe he is saying to you, Danny, Danny, you are upset and worried about a great many things, but only one thing matters. Maybe that's you. Maybe you just need to, we're going to have a time of response. I'm going to say a prayer. It's on the back of your sheet. You get to take it home, but I'm going to pray it. And maybe for you, you want to use this as an altar just to come up and do some business with God. You, you have spent too much time looking at everybody else around you instead of asking God, what is the most important things in my life? So I'm going to pray this prayer. And maybe during this time of prayer, you want to come up and just pray. You can certainly do it where you are, but maybe you want to take a step and say, God, I just, I don't like the pace of my life anymore. I'm trying to win everybody's approval. I'm trying to look like everybody else. I'm trying to be what you've asked me not to be. So listen to these words. And if you feel so inclined, I'll ask you to stand. But I want to say these words to you. So go ahead and stand with me and listen to these words. They're on the back of the sheet. But I don't want you to look at your sheet. I want you to pray, okay? I want you to pray. So listen to what, listen to this prayer. Listen to it with your heart. And it says this, Dear Jesus, when you knock on the door of my heart, what is it you are looking for? What is it you want? Is it not to come in and dine with me and I with you? Is it not for fellowship? And yet so often, where do you find me? At your feet? No, in the kitchen. How many times have I become so distracted and left you there sitting, waiting, longing? What was so important about my kitchen full of preparations that draw me away from you? How can they seem so trivial now and yet so urgent when I'm caught up in them? Forgive me for being so distracted by my preparations and so little attracted by your presence. For being so diligent to my service and so negligent in my devotion. For being so quick to my feet and so slow to yours. Help me to understand it is on, it is on in an intimate moment you seek from me, not an elaborate meal. Guard my heart this day from the many distractions that vie for my attention and help me to fix my eyes on you, not on the rank in the kingdom as did the disciples, not on the finer points of theology as the scribes, not on the sins of others as did the Pharisees, not on the place of worship as did the, women, the woman at the well, not on the budget as Judas, but on you. Bring me out of the kitchen, Lord. Bid me come to your feet. And there may I thrill to sit and adore thee. Amen. Maybe for you this morning, it's just...